Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 950 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, May the 20th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got a ton of great stuff for you. If you want to know what happened in the Warriors-Lakers play-in game last night, a game that was bonkers, you should go. And listen to Locked On Lakers and Locked On Warriors today to get the scoop and uh, look ahead to the next play-in games, which I believe are tonight. I think it's Pacers-Wizards tonight, so go and listen to Locked On Wizards and Locked On Pacers to get the lowdown on that game as well. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Michelob Ultra at 2.6 carbs and only 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Thank you to Michelob Ultra for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, all right, let's get into today's show. Uh, coming up in a little bit, the back two segments are going to be part two of the conversation I had with David Ramil of Locked On Heat about Chris Bosch and his Hall of Fame career as he is set to be inducted into the Hall next summer. And uh, before I get to that, though, Masai Ujiri spoke. It's kind of a big deal in these parts. He spoke for, I don't know, almost an hour yesterday. It was a really long press conference, really deep, uh, really emotional at times. Uh, you know, it was, it's, the, I guess, the kind of thing that you just kind of have to try to derive meaning from. He was pretty guarded. He wasn't super forthcoming with what his plans are. Obviously, his contract is up very soon, and a contract negotiation is going to be taking place here in the coming weeks and months. He's just about to head to Africa, so I would imagine it's probably not going to happen immediately as he goes to watch the bal over there. Um, but yeah, in terms of sort of takeaways from Masai's press conference, you know, I, I feel like depending on the way you skew optimistic or skeptical, you could probably find little nuggets in there to sort of confirm your point and your argument either way. Uh, but I think overall, to me, Masai doesn't sound like a guy who necessarily wants to leave. He sounds like a guy who is ambitious, who has high hopes for what the franchise can be. He seems to really want to go chase that next title, as you would expect. I think the highlight of the entire press conference was when he did his sort of uh, impassioned, almost with the same sort of fury that he did his believe in your city, believe in yourself thing back with the Kawhi intro presser. Uh, but he, you know, went on a random. Like, no one cares about what happened two years ago. Like, it's done. Nobody cares. We want to win another one. It's not about two years ago anymore. And while I am still quite satiated by the title two years ago, it's nice to hear the executive of the team I like not be so satisfied, which is great. And... Everything he said, you know, from his contract negotiation stuff, he said it's not about the money necessarily. It's not about the blank check. It's more about what can I get from ownership in terms of assurances to make sure that we are players going forward here. There was a lot of talk about sort of the Raptors and their disadvantaged station within the NBA because they're the Canadian team and because we just saw that you know they were more affected by the pandemic than anybody else. They were more adversely affected by it than anybody else, definitely. And that that I think kind of 
I was I was a little surprised this was a line of conversation in the questioning where you know it became a lot about like Canada and its inferiority basically and um, how Toronto can navigate that, which is interesting considering they just navigated it two years ago and won a title. Like it's doable clearly. I, I didn't really think the whole Canada of it all was that big an elephant in the room, but apparently it was for a lot of the people asking questions and Masai apparently agrees. So I think my biggest takeaway from this all is it's going to come down to MLSE. MLSE is going to have the final say here, it seems. You know, Masai didn't speak like a guy who doesn't have big ambitions for the team and who doesn't want to be around for the long haul. It just sounds like he wants to get those assurances from ownership that he's going to be able to do all the things in his vision. And the really exciting thing about that is that it sounds like the vision he has is going to cost a lot of money. And so, <laughs> like, yes, please, give, sign me up for whatever his vision is because... You know, I don't really know the specifics. He didn't dig into the specifics for a good reason. You know, he didn't want to move on his negotiating position, I'm sure. But, you know, it, it seems like he's got big plans. He he spoke and sort of invoked the 2016 All-Star game and talked about, um, you know, the practice facilities and things like that. I would imagine his plans for the team going forward to sort, sort of further, you know, imprint themselves on the NBA picture as one of the marquee franchises is going to require a lot of investment. And, if MLSE is not willing to do it, then I don't think he's going to say it's worth his time, which totally fair. Uh, you know, if you have big dreams and your ownership is saying, no, we can't stomach this, then th th that's obviously totally grounds to move on if you're Masai Ujiri. Obviously, you don't want that. Masai is basically uh, a next level sort of being in, Canada, in, in these parts, right? Like he is just so intrinsically tied to the success of the Raptors and like I think they would still be able to survive if he were to leave because of the institutional knowledge in place and the very smart minds from Bobby Webster, Dan Tolzman, Teresa Resch, you know, Chad Sanders, the whole crew that's still here. I feel like they'd be able to weather it, but it's just not the same, obviously. When you hear Masai speak, he just kind of invokes like excitement and he inspires and that is a rare thing to have in a sports executive. He's like larger than life at this point. He's large. He's he is in many ways the franchise, and you don't want him to go. And so the hope here is that MLSC just ponies up. And normally, I wouldn't be concerned about them ponying up. I would be totally, you know, oh yeah, MLSC. They have all the money in the world. It's very clear that the Raptors, when they're good, are a huge cash cow for them. And I would hope they would learn from the insane success of 2019 that investing fully in this franchise is going to ultimately pay off with long-term gain. The problem is, is we're in the middle of a pandemic. There have been huge losses. There hasn't been a fan at Scotiabank Arena for either hockey or basketball in a year and a half, or I guess a year and two months or whatever. It's going to be a year and a half at least by the time there are fans back in the stands. And they just had to spend a bunch of money to house the Raptors down in Tampa Bay. I don't really know if the NBA gave them all that much support. It sounded like it was mostly out of pocket for the Raptors. And so if there's any sort of skeptic, you know, if you're looking at the Michael Grange 95%, the, the sort of 95 to 5 chance that he's going to stay. The 95% is like, okay, MLSC is this enormous corporation. They have a ton of money. They're very incentivized to keep the Raptors strong. And they know exactly how valuable Masai Ujiri is. Of course, they're going to pay it. But that 5% of doubt that creeps in is kind of the, oh, well, it's a pandemic and billionaires never stop being cheap. <laughs> it's just kind of how it goes. There's always that sort of like DNA that's hidden deep beneath every billionaire that, oh, anytime they can sort of turn off the taps and get real cheap on you. And 
you would hope that like the collection of billionaires that runs MLSC would kind of come together and realize, look, we're going to be fine no matter what here. And maybe the way to sort of spearhead our move out of this pandemic hell is to actually invest in the teams and ensure that they're successful going into the 2020s and make back the money on the back end of the decade or something like that. You would hope that's the case. But, you know, there was some weird uncertainty about why are they waiting so long to sign a center this year? And, you know, why did they wait so long to convert some guys to two ways and uh, or from two ways to you know regular contracts? It, it was sort of a, you know, is this penny pinching going on? And maybe that's like smart, sensible penny pinching in a lost season where it doesn't really matter in terms of the whole big picture. But still, that 5% of doubt is going to linger there until you hear that MLSE has given in and given Masai what he wants to stick around. Again, the way Masai spoke yesterday, it doesn't sound like a guy who's ready to leave. He was brought to tears when asked about Kyle Lowry's thoughts on Masai and, you know, how he thought he was the second best Raptor of all time and Nick Nurse and Fred Van Vliet's glowing words for him. He was moved to tears. It seems like a place he wants to be with people he loves to work with. But again, if MLSC comes up short, then obviously I think he'll be totally justified in moving on. I don't think that will happen. I think... The powers that be, they have to be smart enough to realize that a successfully run juggernaut of a Raptors franchise is going to be an absolute economic titan for them, and you just got to hope in that, I suppose. And, you know, in terms of other notes from the presser yesterday, not a ton. He was pretty guarded with a lot of things, you know, the offseason and whatnot. There was one interesting little uh, sort of sidebar that he had where he talked about, he was asked about Kyle Lowry and whether or not there was somebody on the market who could you know, be a better fit for this team than Kyle Lowry is right now. And, you know, obviously the answer to that is no. <laughs> like, there's there's no one out there who's a better fit for the Raptors than Kyle Lowry, at least in my estimation. But he was a little bit sort of, I think, surprising in the way he answered that question, where he kind of talked about pivoting into leaning towards the young guys and developing the young guys. And that's sort of, I don't know, again, I don't think any of this means anything. I think it's all very veiled and guarded for a reason, and I don't think you, have, you can draw too many conclusions, but it did sort of pique my interest when he talked about, when asked about Kyle Lowry and fits for him, or fits who could replace him, and he was talking about the young guys kind of getting a shot, and that being a potential way they can go, that did sort of raise my eyebrows a little bit as to what the direction might be for the team, but also you could argue that Kyle Lowry being on the team is absolutely 100% in favor of developing young guys, considering what he does for young guys, the wisdom he imparts, the fact that you could scale down his minutes to 28, 30, 32 a game and have him sort of still run with a, an increased role for Malachi Flynn and Fred Van Vliet. There's nothing wrong with having three point guards in a team. It's actually quite useful. Uh, our friend Louis Zatzman wrote a piece yesterday about the Hornets and their three point guard lineups. Like there's a place for three point guard lineups in the NBA without a doubt. And even if it's not three point guard lineups, you have two point guards you can run up there at any time. And you have, you know, depth for injury concerns and, uh, you know, for rest and things like that. There's it's one of them good problems to have is to have too many good point guards on hand. And so my in a position on it all is still bring Kyle back. The value he brings just as a guy, not just on the floor, but off the floor is so immeasurable that I think you really can't go wrong with bringing him back. But that was at least an answer of Masai's that was a little bit interesting. Although, again, I don't think you can really glean too much in terms of specifics from his press conference. With that, I think we'll leave it there and we will dive into the conversation with David Ramil. Of course, we're going to continue on the Maasai watch all summer long and we'll keep tabs on that. Hopefully, 
we get some resolution on that relatively soon. Although it doesn't sound like there's much of a timeline at all for that. Masai doesn't seem too pressured by anything here. I would imagine probably once he gets back from Africa, we'll start to see some news of, uh, you know, negotiations and whatnot. Or maybe we won't. And he'll just be signed one day and it'll be no problem. Anyway, that's going to do it uh, for the first segment. We'll get into the second part of Chris Bosch Appreciation now with David Ramil of Locked on Heat. It was a really fun episode. Before we get into the back part of the conversation, I do want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are making, uh, make, you're not, they're selling auto and body parts for much less than the mechanic is. They are a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything you need from the important stuff like engine control modules and brake parts to aesthetic stuff like new carpets whether it's for your classic or your daily driver get everything you need and a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door their catalog is so easy to use it you type in the make model year and the part that you need and you just scroll through you get multiple options multiple prices multiple brands and you can choose the one that works for you Go to rockauto.com right now and see the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, box? So they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, let's dive back in. Myself, David Ramil, uh, talking all about Chris Bosch and his Hall of Fame NBA career. Enjoy. James catches, puts up the three. Won't go. Rebound, Bosch. Back out to Allen. His three pointer. with a huge offensive rebound. And then, of course, you get to the very unfortunate end of his career where 2015-16, the Heat are, like, a, a good, fun team. They Is that the year they trade for Dragic? Or is that the year yes, before? It it's a 2014-15. Like, they acquired okay. him in February 2015 right at the trade deadline. And then the next day, we find out about Chris having his first bout with a blood clot. Right, right. And then he deals with the blood clots. The, he only plays 44 games that season. Then the year after, he gets in for 53 games and then uh, is once again out. And then that's the last we see of him, unfortunately. And that's just before yeah. that Raptors Heat second round series. I always, it's such a great what if to me as like what would have happened in that series if Bosch were available. Obviously, he wasn't the same player necessarily that he was the couple years prior, uh, you know, even, you know, during his heyday, you know, his numbers were better, you know, just sort of counting wise, but obviously he wasn't the same impact type player at 31 that he was at 26 or 27, but still a damn good player and probably changes the complexion of that series with the Raptors quite a bit. Instead of watching the Hassan Whiteside Jonas Valanciunas bowl for the first couple games, you know, Bosch is probably way more heavily involved. For is that like a what if for Heat fans? Like, if he were available in that series, do you think they pull that out and make that conference finals and probably get dismantled by LeBron in the, in the conference finals like the Raptors did? Oh, I, I don't, I don't know that they would have gone dismantled. Like, I, I just, I think, I mean, so many of what my, so much of what Miami was missing in between that and the Jimmy Butler era was, you know, oh, we we wish we had a floor spacing big or a, a more right. versatile defender. Like, eventually, we got that with Bam at a bio. But prior to that, you had the plotting Hassan Whiteside. Like even in that series, remember Whiteside goes down. You remember who they started at the center position? Oh, God, was Justice it Winslow. 
Justice Winslow. Winslow. Yeah, okay. As a rookie, <laughs> as a rookie, you know, he's playing yeah. like uh, not quite uh, Magic Johnson starting at center, but Justice Winslow playing the five, and it, it didn't work. Obviously, like credit to Winslow for being a, a stout defender and trying his best, but it wasn't going to work. But if you've got Hassan there and he goes down for whatever reason, it's just a natural transition. You slide Bosch up, you put Winslow at the four where he's much more comfortable. You have other options. You have Luol Deng there. You have Josh McRoberts, you know, lots of different names there. But, you know, it, it's so much of what Miami could have done differently. Maybe Dwayne doesn't leave in 2016 if you've got Chris mm-hmm. under contract, but that was such a bad summer. Like 2016, not only do you lose Dwayne, but then there's this very public divorce with Chris Bosch where the, the team says, no, you can't come back. You've got a, a third uh, conclusive test that you're, you're going to you know, test for, uh, for blood clots. We're concerned about your health. And we, it seems publicly that they're doing that for Bosch's own good. Yet Chris Bosch and his wife are saying, no, I want to play. It's unfair of you. And you, they think they're going to challenge the team and might come down to like a legal issue. And they, they start you know, talking about the league, bringing in other doctors and other opinions to verify whether or not the heat are doing things in their own and best interests. It's like, it's a very, very ugly public messy divorce. And, and this doesn't go very well. And so that year, 2016, was that year where the heat starts off, you know, going 10 and 31 and then finishing up 31 and 10. And, right. uh, you know, it's a, a much more successful by the end of the year. But, you know, Chris could have made things so much better uh, during those next couple of years. And then, of course, maybe you don't draft Bam. You know, maybe maybe Hassan Whiteside doesn't get the kind of playing time that he gets. And he certainly wouldn't get the contract that he got if you've got Chris Bosh under contract. But yes, a huge what if. I mean, that year in particular, like it would have been so good for Miami to be able to get that kind of confidence back because, you know, 2014, LeBron leaves and then immediately Pat Riley says, you know what, we're not going to just fall apart like the Cavs did. We're going right. to retool. We're going to rebuild. That's why they bring in a guy like Luol Deng. They bring in a guy like, uh, you know, like, uh, well, Josh McRoberts didn't get the kind of playing time that he does. Well, he should have because he was hurt all the time, <laughs> but he was seen as a guy who could compliment LeBron in 2014. And then of course LeBron leaves and didn't quite work out that way, but you, you kind of, you know, he wants to retool and, and get a, a contender built as quickly as possible. And you were right there. That's why you swing the trade for Goran Dragic that first season. Cause you, you know, you get a point guard here who is clearly better than Mario Chalmers or Norris Cole or the other guys that were starting at that point in time. And then you've got Dragic who's coming off the all NBA season the year before and it's a perfect fit alongside Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and you've got this young player Hassan Whiteside who's on a minimum veteran deal and he's contributing quite a bit too and it works out so well and you're thinking to yourself oh we've got we've got something great here and then of course Chris's injury uh just takes the wind out of everything and it just changes the complexion of the team for the next couple of seasons you don't even really realize I mean I didn't realize or remember I guess that he's only 31 in his final yeah. season. Like that's yeah. insane. I I for some reason it was in my brain like oh he was 34, 35 and you know maybe there wasn't a whole lot sort of that you missed out on in terms of prime years but no he'd still like, be playing. Yeah, he'd still be playing and the skill set that he had probably would have aged pretty damn well too, right? Absolutely. Especially as he refined the shooting, as he, you know, probably worked on the playmaking and stuff like that. You know, that was maybe the sort of one thing he never really got great at was like the secondary playmaking, you know, passing out of post-ups and whatnot. Like he was fine at it and had some good moments here and there, but I don't think it was necessarily his greatest strength. But, you know, as the game sort of evolved, you know, he'd absolutely still have a place in the league now. And the last few years, I mean... That's a guy who, 
you know, if he's on last year's Heat team, that's a different conversation you're having. If he's on previous editions of the Heat, if he's, you know, if he goes somewhere else, obviously, too, which was always, uh, I guess, on the table as well. You know, he was always kind of flirting with Houston and Dallas and whatnot. Um, yeah. You know, th- those possibilities were out there, too. And there were there were more good. There were like five more good Chris Bosh years now that I'm looking at it and sort of realizing how young he was. And I guess you kind of forget that he came into the league as a baby. Like he was super young when he got drafted out of Georgia Tech and. And he, you know, he's kind of in that same draft class with LeBron where everyone seems ageless and it's just because they got like a two year head start before their 20s started to get in the NBA. Um, yeah, it makes me uh, makes me a little wistful, no doubt, for uh, the years we didn't get of Chris Bosh because he was a delight and I think only would have continued to further his value in today's NBA. Um, where do you, I mean, I'm glad that he seems like he's got this like burgeoning media career. It was always a thing he seemed like he'd be good at. He was always a good interview. It was always a good quote. You know, I was watching back today, the highlight or not the highlight, the video that he did when he was trying to get to the all-star game in 2008 yeah. for New Orleans. And he was like dressed up like a cowboy at a car dealership. Attention, attention, attention. This is Chris Bosch here. And I'm offering you Boxing Day special, post-Christmas special, a New Year's special. Why don't you bring a 2008 year in right? Come on and vote for me. Ladies and gentlemen, why don't you go get an all-star ballot right now and punch in my name. That's right. Remember, it's Chris Bosch. Best thing about it is, you think it's $20? No, sir. You think it's $10? No, ma'am. Even five? Uh Uh-uh. It is free. That is right. It is free. We don't want your money here. We just want your vote. Filling out these ballots is easy as cow tipping. Ain't that right, Bubba? That's right. Hurry up, folks, because time is almost up and these things are moving fast. Make sure you get one of these ballots. Punch in my name, Chris Bosch. Or you can go to NBA.com. Hey, even better yet, you can go to my website, Chris-Bosch.com, and vote for me today. I'll see you in New Orleans. This guy's just gregarious and fun and cool. And, you know, I know he was doing TV during the Raptors finals run and stuff like that as well. You know, it's what's he... Is he kind of still involved in Miami? Are you seeing him quite a bit? Or, you know, does he kind of pop in and out? Or is that sort of marriage with the team still soured from the way things ended with the injury stuff? No, luckily, uh, that seems like it's been repaired. His, his jersey's been retired, luckily, which, you know, I'm sure some fans are probably laughing because it might not mean much because Michael Jordan's jersey was retired by the team, too. But that was a, <laughs> that was a mistake probably on Pat Riley's part. But uh, anyway, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> did you know about this, the Jordan jersey retirement? Even I, don't, I think I knew about this, but I maybe it's not at the top of my mind. But it sounds it's, hilarious. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, he was just saying, you know, the, the game will never be the same because it was impacted by Michael Jordan and because he was coaching the Knicks and because even the heat lost to Jordan and the Bulls so many times, he just said, you know, the number 23 will never be worn again. Uh, you know, whatever. It was a ridiculous uh, tribute to a player that just crushed them r- routinely. So I'm not sure exactly <laughs> if it worked out the way he wanted it to, but anyway. Let's hang up daddy's Jersey, please. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Chris, yeah, his Jersey's retired. He was around a lot. He's been around a few times here and there. Uh, I think he mostly supports my, but I think he's, he's living out in Los Angeles now. So he's not mm-hmm. quite a fixture at the America airlines arena. Well, of course, nobody's been over the last couple of seasons, so it doesn't really <laughs> matter, but uh, you know, I think the relationship's been repaired and uh, the heat issued a statement. Uh, Eric Spolster talked about uh, Bosch's impact and everything else like that. So I, I think, 
they're they're fully aware of how uh how impactful he's been as a player and everything else but yeah to your point like if he had stayed like maybe he and Dwayne retire at the same time can you imagine that it would have been an incredible yeah. season just to witness those two great players there uh, and maybe to have another run at a finals at some point to maybe if we wouldn't even be debating if he was a hall of famer if they could have found a way to win a championship at some point in the later part of his career or if he had gotten another ring somewhere uh, it would have been an interesting conversation because obviously now team success is viewed as an important part of the defining characteristic of a hall of famer, I guess. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It, it's, he's such a fun player, right? Like he, he embraced Miami yeah. culture so quickly. Like I remember him talking Spanish and talking about, you know, Cuban coffee and and liking it and, and, and wanting to embrace like the culture of South Florida and the Latino culture down here. And, and he was just a big part of that. He always seemed so gregarious and funny. Like there was always the, the Bosch moments in post-game interviews where he would just kind of pop up and, and like pop up behind LeBron or Dwayne or everything like that. He was always like just a good natured guy. And I think he fans absolutely love him. They, they just, they hated the messy divorce aspect of it, but they never resented him or held anything against him at any point in time because of, you know, the injury and everything else. But before that, even like, he, he, like, you know, you, you think back, if they don't win in 2012, the, the second year, of the big three era, there was a very realistic possibility that Chris Bosch would have been traded. Like you can't, tra- you can't trade Dwayne. You're right. certainly not going to trade LeBron. And so who becomes most expendable is Chris Bosch. So luckily they win uh, in 2012 and he winds up having, you know, a few more really good years in Miami, but it's such a, an interesting career that ended far too short. You're jogging my memory now on a reason why I think Raptors fans still kind of hold some, I don't know if it's contempt, but maybe he's not quite as beloved as a lot of other guys. Because the last decade, we've seen a lot of Raptors really embrace the city. And Toronto, I think, has gone from being this sort of, you know, foreign country backwater to being like, oh, no, Toronto rocks. to the north, right? Yeah. Yeah, like everyone who plays in Toronto now is like, no, 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 I want to stay here. It's amazing. Right. I love it, except right. for Kawhi, but that's fine. Um, like it's, it's, I think, kind of shed the stigma. But Bosch, yeah, like he I had some comments about how like I can't watch ESPN in Canada and stuff like that. I don't know how much to like, I don't think that played into his decision making necessarily, the channels he was able to watch. But I do think that the Raptors fan base is particularly ornery when it comes to stuff like that. And yes. so I, I bet that's also part of why maybe there isn't the sort of adoration for him that there is for a DeMar DeRozan, for example, or uh, obviously Kyle Lowry and other guys. All right, we're going to close out today's episode with David Ramil in a game of that random Raptors game, Chris Bosh edition, coming up in just a second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. You can also get the latest news and odds for all your other sporting needs, like like uh, basketball, the hockey playoffs, and UFC and MMA. Before the next pitch, uh, shot, tip-off, whatever it might be, go to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs or for their long summer hauls towards 162 games played. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, that means you put in 100 bucks, you get 150 bucks to play with off the top. That is an awesome deal at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. 
Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. They've got nine delicious flavors in their staple lineup, including my favorite, mint brownie and raspberry is also really freaking good. Cherry's damn good, too. It's a great, great product. We love Built Bar over here. And if you don't yet know if you love Built Bar or which flavor of Built Bar you love the most... You can get yourself a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors, and then you can decide which one you want to go whole hog for and buy full packs of. Not only are Built Bars uh, wonderful tasting, but they're healthy for you too. They're great for, uh, you know, before a workout, just as like a meal replacement type thing as well, and they taste great. They also have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs in most flavors. That is an awesome little flavor profile. How could you not want that? It's guilt-free Good tasting stuff, baby. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And now we finish up the conversation with David Ramil of Locked On Heat about Chris Bosh, Basketball Hall of Famer. Enjoy. Before we wrap here, man, this has been great. I've loved talking about Chris Bosh, but uh, I have a game for you. Are you ready for okay. a game? Okay, always. Okay. So uh, on Locked on Raptors, I do this game called That Random Raptors Game, where I pick a game from Raptors history, and uh, my my guest has to guess who played in the game for the Raptors. It gets rather depressing sometimes, because I usually pick something (laughs) from like the Chris Bosh era, for example. Uh, And I'm doing that here uh, as well. So instead of having you pick the Raptors who played in the game, because that would be an impossible task, I'm going to have you guess which Miami Heat players played in this specific game. And we'll uh, remember some guys and talk about Chris Bosh a little bit more. Um, So the game I've chosen here is a game in the final season of Chris Bosh in Toronto. The Raptors beat the Heat 120-113 on November 20th, 2009. The Raptors moved to 6-7. The Heat moved to 7-5 with the loss. The Miami Heat played 10 players in this game. Name those 10 players. I'll give you Chris Bosch's line as well. Really good game from him. 35 minutes, 29 points, 12 boards, 10 of 14 shooting, 9 of 13 from the line, a plus 6, 4 blocks as well. Uh, Just one of those classic doesn't stand out, doesn't pop, but holy crap, Chris Bosch was good every single night type of games. Um, But for the Miami Heat, I want to subject you to this torture. So uh, there's 10 guys. Name the 10 players. Usually I give three strikes. So if you get them wrong, we'll just finish off all the names from there. But go ahead. Okay. Well, 2009-10 season, right? So yes. uh, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade is correct. In this game, he played uh, 41 minutes, 42 minutes, 30 points, five boards, eight assists. He's very good at basketball. He was. Yeah. One out of 10. Probably, probably <laughs> at MVP level uh, year for him, I think. Um So alongside Dwayne in the starting lineup, well, that was post O'Neal. So... No, that was Jermaine O'Neal. He was on that team, right? They had just traded him. They had <laughs> traded Sean Marion to Toronto for Jermaine O'Neal, so he was there for the 0-9-10 season. You are correct. He played 33 minutes in the starting lineup, 17 points, four boards, three assists, and a minus 10. Two for two. Okay. Okay. Uh, Michael Beasley. Yes. Oh, Bees. Super cool Bees. Started, played 40 minutes, 21 and 12 on 8 of 18 shooting. Uh, it was a minus 12, but who really cares about plus minus when you're Michael Beasley? Okay. Three for three. Well, I, I'm, I'm now I'm now I'm starting to get worried because I cannot recall. <laughs> I cannot recall anybody else. Okay, I know Mario Chalmers probably played. Yep, uh, he played and he played quite well. Thirty-eight minutes, thirty points, uh, nine of fifteen, five of nine from deep as well, with uh, three assists to go along with it. 
but he didn't start, right? I don't think he, he did started. start. He was he the did starting start. guard in this game. Yeah. So who was the backup at that point? Was it Carlos Arroyo? It was Carlos Arroyo. He played 13 minutes, four points, two assists. You're killing it, man. Five out of five. <laughs> yeah. My, my good luck's bound to end at some point. Uh, let's see. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, Udonis would have played too at that point. Uh, Udonis Haslam did not play in this game, did not oh, dress for this game. Must have been injured oh. or something. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, James Jones? James Jones started, played 34 minutes, five points, four boards, four assists, plus 10 to lead okay. the team. So oh, you got wow. the starting five. You got four bench guys left. One of whom, I'll give you a hint, we mentioned him earlier today when you were talking about a certain department store. <laughs> Joel Anthony, absolutely. Yes, Joel Anthony, 15 minutes, 2.7 boards, an absolute king. Uh, he, he now coaches for uh, a team in the city in which I live. Uh, it's lovely. The Hamilton Honey Badgers. He's an assistant coach there. Um, really? Anyway, three guys left. Yeah, he's uh, he's just walking around on the sidelines being tall as hell. This is, uh, is basically his vibe. Uh, <laughs> you got three guys left. If you get these three guys, I'll be totally shocked I, and impressed. I I cannot even begin to warn a guess. Uh, wow. Um, let's see. Probably a little thin up front. I, wow, I can't. I cannot even recall who, who might have been out. No, no, Eddie Jones had retired by that point. Um, oh wow, this is no Gary Payton, no the Lawns of Morning. I'm trying to remember the names. That era was. I think was there's really a guy. Great. I think one of these guys won a three point contest at some at some point. Oh, uh, oh, Daquan Cook. Daquan Cook, yes. Uh, not such a hot three point shooting game for him. Thirteen minutes, four points, zero of three from deep. Uh, minus 17 as well, a team worst, minus 17. Wow, okay. You got two I mean, guys left. I, I, can't, I cannot. I, I will not. Okay. I mean, if you could give me a hint if you like to. But <laughs> yeah, I'll give you remember. one hint. Uh, one guy I could not give you a hint about, but uh, another guy, he has a brother who's currently in the NBA. Wow. Plays for a Western Conference team. Got traded this year. Oh. Got traded uh, a lot lately. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Darrell Wright. Darrell Wright, yeah, he uh, played five minutes, didn't score, only had two rebounds, but uh, shouts to Darrell Wright. And the last guy is Shavleek Randolph, baby. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Shavleek Randolph, how could I forget him? <laughs> no points, four boards in eight minutes. Uh, the two guys who were DNPCDs uh, were Yakuba Diawara. I've never yes. heard of this person in my life. Yes. And Raptors yes. legend, still Raptors legend, currently on the sidelines for the Raptors. Jamal McGlore, the big cat. Oh, the uh, big was cat. Was also on the bench. Oh, what a wow. Cat. Yeah, I knew there was a center in there somewhere, <laughs> but I could not have remembered McGlore's one season with Miami. Wow, that was bad. Yeah, and then just to highlight just how uh, bereft Chris Bosch's supporting cast was here, actually Ooh. not the worst collection of guys in this game, I guess. You had a nice game from Bargnani, 24-10. and 10. I think this was during Andrea Bargnani's like, couple dalliances with being competent. Um, Jose Calderon, Hito Turgaloo, uh, who's terrible, DeMar DeRozan as a rookie, and then off the bench, you got Jarrett Jack, who they brought in to try to keep Chris Bosch around because they were Georgia Tech buds. Uh, Amir Johnson in the early days, Marco Bellinelli, Pops Mensabonsu, and Sonny Weems with Patrick O'Brien and Rasha Nesterovich getting DNPCDs. Nesterovich, um, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. That, that's Just, ugly, uh, yeah. Yeah, this team, yeah, they were 40 and 42. Uh, probably overshot what they should have been, honestly. What a nightmare. Um, this was not a nightmare. Jared Jack. Imagine bringing Jared Jack in to, to, to keep your, your, your star player happy. That's just unbelievable. 
it's, it's startling to me that Brian Colangelo didn't have success in his later stops in the NBA. Yeah, uh, good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is just before he, uh, a couple of years before he'd throw an offer sheet at Landry Fields just to coerce oh. the Knicks out of signing Steve Nash at 38. Uh, good wow. stuff, Brian Colangelo. Playing checkers while everyone else is playing chess, but he thinks he's playing chess. Um, that's going to do it, man. This was a delight. Uh, far better than the 2009-10 Toronto Raptors roster was. Uh, <laughs> and really glad we could chat about Chris Bosh. We went a little long, but I don't. Uh, that's fine with me. Chris Bosh deserves the time. Uh, do you have anything you want to promote, Dave? Not really. Uh, you know, stay tuned to uh, Miami's hopefully deep playoff run, and we'll see what happens. You can always subscribe to Locked On Heat. Make sure you follow the show, and I'll be providing regular recaps, previews of the games, and everything else you might need uh, for any team that's still in the playoff hunt. So sorry to Raptors fans that didn't get a chance to uh, enjoy postseason success, but you deserve and you earned a, a well-needed break here. So I, I think you're going <laughs> to bounce back better than ever next season. They're going to be very good next year. I'm pretty convinced of this. And also, it is kind of nice to like just get to sit back, especially with the Heat playing the Bucks, and really just root for chaos more than anything else. Just let the world burn while the Raptors hang on a beach somewhere. It's not the worst way to be right now. So, um, yeah, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks to Chris Bosch for all the, the fun times that we were able to dissect here on the podcast. And uh, thanks to you, the listeners, and everyone who supports the Lockdown Network. You're all the very best. And we will talk to you very soon, I'm sure. Uh, that'll do it for Chris Bosch. Appreciation. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.